Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the DA Show's PGP, Permission Granted Podcast, everybody. The show about the show, the show within the show. You can always download this on the normal DA Show iTunes or Apple Podcast Feed or Radio.com, the normal podcast feeds. It's there. It's also on its own podcast feature. You can just search Permission Granted Podcast and check it out. So this week, we begin with Mraz on side A, and we begin with Happy Gilmore. We, we did Mothership of the Movies again. This is our fourth movie. Just an overall impression. I think this was the second most enjoyable to break down behind Rookie of the Year. <laughs> I think Rookie of the Year was the most enjoyable because it had the most strategy in it that we could kill the manager for in yes. Rookie of the Year. But it was also the funniest. It gave me the most laughs, laugh-out-loud moments because it was trying to be funny as a comedy. So it made it, to me, second most enjoyable. How about you? Uh, I think Happy Gilmore. Now, look, I'm not looking for you know awards one. To me, Happy Gilmore is the best movie of the four, just in terms of overall movie experience. But I would agree with you as far as breakdown. Happy Gilmore goes in at number two behind Rookie of the Year, mainly because of strategy and anger. And just as a quick spin look ahead, that's kind of why I've pushed the envelope for draft day, because although we don't get any actual games played, the idea that we're discussing all these general managers and executives, draft day, I think, will provide a lot of strategy, and the backdrop is the Cleveland Browns, that gives us a chance to really crush it. So you really are hoping that watching Kevin Costner play the GM of the Browns before the NFL draft is going to give us a lot of fodder to just destroy him. Yes, I do, because I remember destroying him when the movie came out before we were doing Mothership at the movies, and it was very rare that I did that with a movie. It only became recently that now I watch movies and crush them with no sports, and if I was doing that before the actual sports, how how much worse could it be this go-around? What are some little bonus items that we didn't get to on the air that you wanted to get to about Happy Gilmore? Okay, so you mentioned in our chat, it's Lee Trevino is the golfer that keeps appearing, and he's appalled by Happy's cursing when he's first on the tour. But yeah. I don't understand, other than for if we take the comedy aspect out, was Lee Trevino hired as a PGA <laughs> spy to spy on Happy Gilmore? And this isn't brought up enough. How is it? that he happens to be playing at the same mini-golf course. He ends up, after mini-golf, showing up to Happy's rinky-dink apartment complex and is sitting there right as Chubbs falls to his death. Is any cop questioning Lee Trevino as to what exactly he's doing? There's something off with Lee Trevino in this movie. Lee Trevino is on the course, I think at the Waterbury Open, when when he goes crazy, when Happy goes crazy. Maybe at his first it's his actual first, tour event. Yeah, his first actual tour, right. Starts cursing. Trevino shakes his head. No, he doesn't like it. 
I think Trevino is also at the mini golf course, right? Yes, he is. Shakes yes. his head in disappointment. Also is outside the window of Adam Sandler when he when Chubbs Peterson falls to his death. Also shakes his head in disgust. So you're right. Why is it just a coincidence? I think the movie's suggesting that Lee Trevino's just coincidentally in all these spots right. seeing these kind of dark moments for Happy Gilmore. Right, but I have to question if he's a spy. And point number two that I I wish maybe there was a good Sports Illustrated reporter on this case at the time in 1996, but Happy Gilmore becomes a big advocate for the homeless. He needs a caddy. is unaware in the PGA right. Tour that a caddy is not provided for him. So he goes outside and he grabs the homeless person who had just been dragged away from police for doing the squeegees on the cars. The homeless person has no idea what's going on. At one point, he's wearing one <laughs> shoe. He's washing his underwear in the ball washer. Uh, there's a lot of things wrong with the, with the homeless here. But what I what I gather is it's great of Happy to give him a job, give him something to do. And I think that's supposed to be a moment where you smile. But Happy is so consumed with collecting every last penny to get his grandmother's home back that by the end, the homeless man is wearing a suit and he's welcomed back to Happy's home, right. his grandma's home. But... You know, how much is Happy tipping him? Because we did that story on the golfer who stiffed his caddy. <laughs> that ended up being a 12 DAs a couple of years ago. And I have to imagine Happy, who already doesn't understand proper golf etiquette to begin with, I think that this caddy is being extremely under-tipped, and I would love to get a report on that. Because the caddy has to be bathing in ponds. Right. He has had no new clothes the entire time that right. they're on the tour. until Loses the shoe? Until the until the final scene when he's actually dressed up when they move into Grandma's house. But you're right. He has no shoe. He's bathing in the pond. He has no new clothes. And he's the official caddy of a PGA Tour golfer for what amounts to three months. That's what they said. He had 90 days to win this money to get Grandma's house back. Right. He's, he's now traveling out of wherever he was originally. I guess in Portland he was originally homeless, so he's traveled the country. But I want to know what money he's making because I feel like Happy might have been uh, unfairly treating this homeless man. We don't even get his name. Uh, <laughs> I have a problem with that. Now, the other two quick hitters I want to run by you. His name is officially Otto if you go to the IMDb page. Oh, is it? Okay. I don't think they refer to him as Otto at all. <laughs> Um, okay, Grandma, all of a sudden, in the Tour Championship DA, has words of encouragement. Now, words of encouragement are great, and it's awesome that she is inspiring to Happy. She tells him the house never really mattered, and Happy's having fun, and all of this. But the whole bit here is Happy's shoulder in his drive game has been taken apart because he's been hit by the car. His shoulder is demolished. Now, Grandma <laughs> might be great, and these words of encouragement... And maybe that motivates him to gut it out, so to speak. But the moment she speaks to him and kind of, you know, calms him down, suddenly he's hammering balls 400 yards again and driving nobody's business. How could Grandma's words suddenly magically hear his shoulder, heal his shoulder from the real problem at hand? His his shoulder is mangled. He it's just got mangled. hit. It just got hit by a car, and he got nailed going up in the air, and he falls on his shoulder. It's got to be a dislocation. He can't even swing it. It basically pops out of the socket as soon as he drives his first one. And then, boom, It just he's fine as soon as Grandma says, just have fun. Right. Suddenly, now he could torque it all the way. I found that to be very egregious. And my last and, and final point is a big show backdrop and something you've referenced me with Zubaz and stuff you've killed Bill O'Brien for. 
does it make you unhappy watching that movie, seeing, ironically, how well happy could play by wearing sweatpants? A lot of happy will not wear the traditional <laughs> golf outfit or uniform, and he becomes a success story while competing in sweatpants. Did that bother you at all? It didn't bother me necessarily because that was his whole get up the entire time, very dressed down, very informal. I did. I was struck by how cumbersome I would feel baggy sleeves would be <laughs> while playing golf, especially driving. He had never-ending baggy sleeves, either the Bruins jersey <laughs> or, or the button-downs the entire time. And I'm thinking, I don't think that would really help me. I think that would really get in the way of my driving every single you know, golf outing. Yes, and I, I would agree with that. The bag, the baggage is something. I also want to know what was the NHL affiliate of the team he got cut from? Because if it was the Bruins, how can you stay being a true Bruins fan wearing their jersey on the course at all times? He also has the Bruins hat. He's a big Bruins yes. fan, very obviously. But yeah, you would hope that he didn't get cut by a Bruins affiliate. Although it's it seems to suggest it's in Wetterbury, Connecticut. So you would think that it's a New England team, right? You would assume, and also. Happy claims to be this big Brewers fan. I, I hate to get too bogusy on this though, but when he when he goes and he finds the golf clubs, he's such in a rush to quote watch the hockey game, and that's when he bets about the driving. <laughs> yeah. Who references watching the hockey game? Would you say I have to watch the Bruins game? I found that a little weird. <laughs> unless it's not the Bruins game, unless it's just like. But who says you know, that? Like no sports <laughs> fan. Maybe it's Nord like need... Nordiques Ducks. Right, but I would never say I need to watch the hockey game. Like, he went out of his way to keep saying watch the hockey game. No fan talks like that. So I went to Rotten Tomatoes because I was we were talking on the air about how this was such it – was, it was so emblematic of a time where Adam Sandler movies were really good. And yeah. again, maybe you have to be of a certain age. I realized that, like – when Adam Sandler rises to, you know, his his greatest heights with Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, I'm in high school, early college. So, like, this is going to be right in my wheelhouse. But I really felt like re-watching Happy Gilmore, it was legitimately funny. It was. It holds up the test of time without a doubt. And it was funny because Happy Gilmore, I have no problem admitting this, is one of my top five favorite movies of all time, well before this. It just it resonated with me. The combination of sports and comedy, I've always leaned comedy when it comes to a lot of movies. Uh, it might be my favorite comedy of all time, although there's some good Will Ferrell stuff I enjoy as well. But my wife actually said to me, Danielle goes, well, why are you rewatching this? You've seen Happy... And I have. I had to have seen Happy Gilmore a hundred times in my life. <laughs> and I, I, I said, I understand that it holds the test of time. I'll watch it randomly on FX on a random Sunday afternoon. I can't get away from it. I said, but I'm watching it from a different perspective now. I need to really focus on the sports part of this because I'm sure there's stuff I miss. But to your point, watching it a hundred times and then go back and rewatching it with the pure laser focus in which I had to watch it. You're right. The test of time is unbelievable. And it really bothers you what Adam Sandler has become. So that's why I want to get into this Rotten Tomatoes list because they rated, of course, Rotten Tomatoes is, I think it's mainly user ratings. I don't right. think it's your critic ratings. I think these are user ratings. So these are the rankings based on their ratings of the greatest to worst Adam Sandler movies ever. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> now they have a couple of movies in here that have Adam Sandler in the movie, but it's not an Adam Sandler film. So these are okay. – I'm only going to rank the films, give you the film that Adam Sandler is the, the core, you know, centerpiece of. Okay. They say the best Adam Sandler movie ever was Uncut Gems. Oh, come on. And you said you hated it. I haven't seen it. 
I, I, okay, maybe hate's a little strong, but the way people talked about Uncut Gems, I thought I was walking into like one of the greatest movies of all time. It was not that at all. But you know why people loved it? Because it really gave you that degenerate gambler feel that's so popular mm. right now. But it's not. I mean, to call that the greatest Adam Sandler movie, yeah, maybe because it's the only movie he acted seriously in, but that, that doesn't define great. They put Punch Drunk Love, oh, number two. God, I didn't sucks. like that movie. No. They put Funny People 3. Oh, stop. Funny people <laughs> suck so bad. They then put Wedding Singer 4, which I I loved. Right. Okay. Then they put Rain Over Me at number five. Rain now, Rain Over, Over Me, I think that's a post-9-11 movie. It's really I never, serious. I never saw that movie. I never it's even really heard dark. of really dark. Yeah, I think he loses his family in 9-11. Oh. Then, then Happy Gilmore. Come on. Okay, so it's. I think Gilmore is a little bit too late in this list already. Then they put Spanglish. Awful. Spanglish? Awful. All right. Well, right off the bat, we could tell what's going on here. They're not favoring comedies for Adam Sandler. Right. Which is the problem with a list like this. When you think Adam Sandler, you think comedies. Like, when you make a list about Adam Sandler, I don't think it's really debatable. I'm really not trying. This isn't a hot take. I don't think it is. You think Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Absolutely. And then you start the rest of the conversation. So if those are not your first two movies then your list is completely swayed and you're only taking into account or trying to take more to account non-comedy roles then they put 50 first dates that was the him that was him it's and drew fine. barrymore in hawaii it's fine it's I don't fine mind the movie then murder mystery with jennifer aniston i didn't see that i didn't see that i think that's one of those new netflix movies i think you're right then anger management with jack nicholson forget, fine you often forget that that's an adam sandler movie Yep, it's fine. Then Billy Madison. See, Billy Come Madison's on. way too low on this list. Way too low. I agree. Low. I then, agree. Then Big Daddy. Okay, excellent. Okay. Then you don't mess with the Zohan. <laughs> Ahead of the Waterboy? <laughs> Ahead of... Then they, then they put Waterboy after that. All right. I mean, I have no Mr. Deeds there? That's what I'm saying. I, I, don't, I don't like this list at all. Then they go click garbage then the longest yard then good gets gets trash because it's a remake and then sandy wexler i didn't see sandy Sandy wexler it's one of the netflix ones it i mean now we're just into trash adam sandler films right right did we miss the waterboy yeah i just mentioned the waterboy just before that okay then all right so now we're going towards the worst mr deeds and little nicky back to back i thought deeds was good that the Little Nicky was bad, but in comparison, I feel like Little Nicky now wouldn't be as bad as some of his recent garbage. Yes, I agree. Little Nicky, I think, is better 20 years later than it is in real time. Then That's My Boy, which I liked. <laughs> him, and Adam's, ha- him and Andy Samberg, I liked. Then Just Go With It? That's with Jennifer Aniston, where he fakes that he's married to get with, I think, Kate Upton. Oh, right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Now we're into the dregs. Pixels, which I've heard is just an absolute crap show. Then I've now pronounced you Chuck and Larry, which I hated. (laughs) Well, I think the moment you see Kevin James on the screen, you cringe because you picture me. So I think that is that is your your bias against anything Kevin James related. Chuck and Larry was garbage. Then blended. I didn't see that. That's what drew Barry more. Then they go to the safari or something. Then grown ups won. Uh huh. Then the do-over? Never heard of it. 
this has David Spade in of it. Of course it does. You could have said this has David Spade in it about every single one of those movies. And, and then Rob here, Schneider. <laughs> here is the bottom four movies according to. And now when we talk about rankings, like we're in single digits. He has multiple movies that are less than 10% approval rating, which okay. is virtually impossible. Okay, this is, the, this is what they consider the worst of Adam Sandler. The Cobbler, this came out five years ago. He was, that has a, to be Netflix. He was a shoemaker. Oh, that sounds terrible. Grown Ups 2, which has a 7% approval rating. <laughs> 7%. I think all seven of the people in my family are the only people that approved. Then Jack and Jill, where that he plays. brutal. <laughs> where, where he plays the brother and the sister, right? Oh, that is brutal. <laughs> which got a 3% rating. And then something called The Ridiculous Six. I never which got, heard of that. Which got a 0% rating that has him, Terry Crews, and oh, Steve no. Buscemi as six bizarre and diverse strangers in the Wild West. That sounds <laughs> terrible. By the way, there's a, there's a movie missing there, I'm surprised. What's that? Nighttime stories or un- it was like a, it was like a kid comedy where he goes to read his like nephew a bedtime story and then they end up in the story. It oh, bedtime another- stories, yeah, it's bedtime a- stories. That was in the middle of some of that was like number twenty or so. Boy, I've seen way too many Adam Sandler movies. But I again, say. I think the list. You're right at the back end there. All those deserve to be at the back end. But that's a tough list for me to take seriously when it doesn't start with Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. That means you, you've slanted it away from comedies, which is you shouldn't be doing a list on Adam Sandler if not for the comedies. And also, how could the last movie he make be the greatest movie he's ever done? Right. How also has Adam Sandler made 44 films? <laughs> it's a lot of volume. It's a volume shooter. My God. That's kind of like, you know, when you look back at Terrell Owens' career and you're like, wait, he was on the Bills? Like, <laughs> there was a Bengals year in right, there? Right, exactly. I don't remember that. It was when I saw Keyshawn Johnson on the Panthers last week. I'm like, huh? When did that happen? The Cobbler? I, what? The, the, the Cobbler. The Cobbler happened. Oh. Let me throw this last one out at you. Us being in the New York City area, I got an email today from the Bronx Zoo. And it says... Wait, 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 wait. Before you read what it says, yeah. I will I will give you space to say that. Why are you on the mailing list for the Bronx Zoo? <laughs> because for either a Christmas gift or a birthday gift, I got the Bourbon Bell a uh, couple of like tickets or season passes or VIP things to the Bronx okay. Zoo. She's a All huge right. animal fan, so... <laughs> okay. So we we're I'm on this emailing list, and it... First of all, it says, for a limited time, take 25% off a future Bronx Zoo visit. It says, hi, Damon. As you know, the Bronx Zoo is currently closed to the public, but the animals continue to receive expert care, yada, yada, yada. Right now, we're, we're giving 25% off tickets for a future visit. That's good for an entire year from purchase. You know, I, okay, I, I'm looking forward to getting back to normal, and I'm looking forward to you know doing things like this. But is now the right time to be saying, hey, we've got a discount because of coronavirus? Like, A, do you feel comfortable buying a ticket right now to anything? B, is it kind of weird that they're like, sale, we, coronavirus? All right, so I'm with you. I, I don't mind advertisers or companies looking to find ways to kind of pre-get ahead of when the country and, and local areas reopen. So I get it. But at the same time, the Bronx Zoo is just a weird one to me. 
And it's like they also had to throw in the line about how well kept the animals have been to make you feel better about buying the ticket. That's one. If you're the Bronx Zoo, you're kind of like McDonald's, right? Like, we know you're there. We know you will be there. I don't need that email right now. Well, have you found the rash of coronavirus commercials depressing? Yes. Oh, yes. I mean, because I, I get it. Like, you can't be too jokey right now, but... Every time I'm watching TV, it's another commercial about, like, sad food workers and them insisting, don't worry, your food is safe. Like, Papa John's, don't worry, right out of the oven, we put a piece of tape on top so we can't right. touch it, we can't the cough Taco on Bell, it. Taco Bell, hand delivery right, and all of yeah. this stuff. No, no contact delivery, no contact payment. It's like, uh, I kind of want a relief from everybody reminding I me I, I can't eat anything. And there's a couple parts of that, of all of this stuff that bothers me. Like, it's like I know it's not 100% preventable. Like, you'd have to be crazy to think it is. And no matter if you're buying stores in the supermarket or buying stuff, like, nothing is contactless. Like, somebody still cooked that food at whatever store yeah. you are and put it in the bag. Like, just they've touched the food and then taped the bag and then handing it to you on a tray. The, the germs or whatever, the trail is still there. It's the same thing you go to a supermarket, whatever. Like, we can do all we want. Somebody still cut that meat. Somebody still wrapped it. Like Cut that meat. Cut that meat. Like, it is impossible to do that. But what I'm really is bothering me on those commercials is you're not as big a TV guy as I am, but all of these networks that, you know, you're running your favorite shows and we're starting to get to the end of this, these seasons and a lot of the finales are this week and next week. But every time you're watching a show for the last month, stars of these shows would pop up in the commercials with PSAs kind of telling you, you know, stay home, stay inside, come on, we could do this together. And, you know, I saw it again last night, and I'm just thinking to myself, it's April 14th, man. Like, if we need you still telling us to stay home, we haven't been doing this right for, like, six mm. weeks. You know, like, do I still need Paulie D when I'm watching the Jersey Shore <laughs> to tell me to stay inside? Like, I think I got it. Like, like who is the one watching it going, wow, I didn't think of that. You know, maybe I should be staying inside. What the heck have you been doing for six weeks? <laughs> Did uh, do you watch Bob Hart's Abishola? So I was tempted to <laughs> after having Billy Gardell on the show. And uh, this was supposed to be on Monday night. And then I got to be honest, Monday night I had plans for it. I really did. 8.15, I conked out. It was the earliest I've conked out there in quarantine. But I thought about it because we had Gardell on the show. I have not watched it. <laughs> So I have not watched it either. This is a CBS sitcom. We had Billy Gardell on the show on Monday to promote it, and um, Billy played Mike and Mike and Molly. <laughs> we have him on to promote it. Neither of us watch. <laughs> so my mom and dad apparently love Bob Hart's Abishola. They love this show. And uh, so <laughs> I don't really know anything about it. Billy was great. But my mom goes, you had Abishola's boyfriend on? <laughs> I'm like, What? What? And I guess in the TV show, Billy Gardell plays Abishola, like Bob Hart's Abishola. It's Bob and Abishola. Abishola is his girlfriend's name. Oh, I didn't <laughs> know that. I just thought Bob Hart put together a sketch comedy. Bob Hart. What, what do you think? What do you think Abishola was? I don't know. I thought Abishola was just a name for like uh, like madness. Like whose line is it anyway? <laughs> no, that's his girlfriend's name in it. Oh, wow. So Billy Gard, wow. Okay. You know what? I might have to run back some on demand. <laughs> so my mom goes, <laughs> so you had <laughs> Abishola's boyfriend on. I'm like, well, that's a weird way to reference it. But yes, we had Abishola's boyfriend on. And then she's like, uh, so how they how they tape the episodes, like with masks on? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> 
Honestly, Mom, that's a great question. I wish I would have asked him that. I mean, it must have been an episode that had been taped before the virus, right? I think most, I could be wrong, I believe most tapings, most, for a lot of these shows and sitcoms end in late February, early March for the rest of the season. So what interesting timing that they got an entire season in right under the deadline. Yes, exactly. It was right around that line because I, somebody I knew worked works for another TV network has said the same thing, that all their shows and this out mostly works. You know, they'll, they'll tape the first half of the seasons, then come back around wintertime, tape the second halves. And usually by the end of February, beginning of March, you're all wrapped up because a lot of the shows end in April. These are great questions that I wish I would have asked Billy Gardell. Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> now I'm going to have to watch the show. All right, you got uh, you got Bogues on side B here? Yeah, first time I'm hosting side B in what feels like a year and a half. I'm ready to go. Take it away, buddy. All right, welcome into side B. This is Merez once again hosting side B of the PGP, the executive producer of the DA show as well, joined in quarantine by the bogeyman himself, Andrew Bogish. Andrew, hello. Well, hello, Sean. How are you? It is fantastic. Uh, you are actually the only member of the DA show I've made eye contact with in what feels like five weeks. Uh, although you didn't make eye contact with me as I was in a big bunny suit when I last saw you Friday to surprise your children. So it was actually nice, uh, even from afar, seeing refreshing face. Uh, how are you doing right now and not seeing the rest of the crew as we do the show every day? You know, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. It has been tough not to get my normal face-to-face time with, uh, with Pete the Body. I mean, he and I have been working mornings... Um, since the network started back in 2012 slash 13, so I mean that's that's the real big change for of me course. is not that breath of fresh air every morning when you first encounter Velotti. Now I will ask you this because it would not be a PGP side B with you and I if we did not discuss Pete as well. And I want to get into Happy Gilmore in just a second, but as far as Pete goes, I will step up to the plate. And I will be an honest man, and I will give Pete credit because we like to bust Pete's chops a lot, and there still will be chops to be busted he has been the one of all of us the core four core five if you will with Kaplan yep that is going into the studio every day for the most part he's you know taking a couple mental health days which are more deserving do we when the show gets back to normal which is hopefully sooner rather than later uh do we now have to back off criticisms of Pete after this there probably should be a tiny bit of leeway for Pete but I will say this I mean He's the one, now it's not a thank you gift from us or even the company, um, but he's got live wrestling now. I mean, so right. yeah, the negative for him is that he's got to go into the studio and, and I guess he's driving in every day and whatever. But, you know, you and I are sitting here missing real baseball, real football. Oh. We have no hockey playoffs. Our Rangers could have made a charge to get in and maybe thinking first run upset right now. We've got none of that. Pete, at least when he does get to go home... He can actually break down an actual live Monday Night Raw or get ready for the next, you know, Hell in the Cell or whatever it's called. You know, is there a Royal Rumble soon? So I mean, he does, he does have that going for him right now. That is a good point. Pete right now, out of all of us, is actually benefiting the most as far as sports activity because he's getting his main thing, his main fix is his wrestling. Now, real quickly to the story of the morning, which has become these movies on on Wednesday specifically, and Happy Gilmore now became our fourth, which is just remarkable that we are now four movies in the holster. Shows how long 
this has been going on on our end with the lack of sports being watched. The beauty, I think, that you have brought to the table, and I'm sure DA has discussed it with you as well, is you are very critical of movies where, you know, I might break down the sports real hardcore and you're good at, but you, you love pointing out, you know, problems you have with movies. And I think you actually have a unique talent with that. And I would, I'm interested to pick your brain. What were some of your actual problems with the film Happy Gilmore? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't, I can't not like think of reality. And in fact, somebody yelled at me on Twitter after the show on Wednesday because I hadn't seen Predator. Yeah. Um, and I, I have not either, by the okay. way. I know what Predator is, sure, but I've not seen it. Exactly. So, I mean, like, the thing is, for me, like, I've I haven't always loved like action movies because I can't ignore like the disconnect with reality. Now, if you want to give me something that is complete and utter fiction from the beginning, like Game of Thrones, like I'll believe in a dragon or like a witch because none right. of this is real. Right, like it's all make believe. So then we're all. So I'm fine with that. But if you're trying to make, I always think of there's a there's a uh, it's in one of the Mission Impossible movies where like Tom Cruise is on top of like a runaway subway car, and the car explodes or crashes, and instead of taking him down with it, it like shoots him forward to the next train car, which he lands on safely and continues along his merry way. Like that's just not possible. So like that I, that bothers me because it's kind of reality, it's kind of true, and then there's nonsense. So that that's what, what where like my, my overall head is. So when I watch these sports movies, I can't deal with ignoring what actually happens in sports. And Da brought up one of the things on the air in in real life golf. First of all, tournaments are four days. A lot of these are just one day events <laughs> in Happy right. Gilmore. But like every time Happy Gilmore swings and misses. That's a stroke. They don't count those against him in the movie. And that one sequence where he's like swinging and missing or whatever, or hitting the ball out of play, like they're clearly not keeping score correctly because that's how you lose a tournament in one sequence, the way he plays. So there are a lot of little things like that that I just wish they paid a little more attention to like how things work in, in real life when it comes to sports. Okay, so the biggest problem I had, and I don't know if you noticed this, I, I typed in the chat, they must have not taken the time to film this on multiple golf courses because they would keep saying where they were at for the next open. It was the Cleveland Open. It was in Portland. And there would just be mountain ranges behind the golf course in places where you know mountains don't exist. Yeah, there's, there, it was one course. And even they must have shot. Obviously, it takes a while to shoot scenes. But if you watch really closely, too, there are times where the same scene is in rain and then not rain. So, like, they just didn't care about... I didn't about, even so pick up on that. They I, must have had, like, seven... I mean, it was, what, only, like, the second or third movie he made? So right. the budget probably wasn't huge. So they just... They were not going to travel to multiple sets, and they were just plowing through weather conditions, not caring about continuity, because they just needed to finish the movie and move on. And also, travel ceased to matter in this. In other words, yes. Shooter McGavin somehow has the same dope, the you jackass guy who must live wherever he lives, but somehow is readily available within 12 hours to be at the next course and know exactly where the Red Lobster is near this course. No matter what city it is, he shows up and he's ready to go. Well, it also bothered me that Happy was driving across the country to these events right, right. in the world's worst car as well. <laughs> like, never had a breakdown, never had a flat, never was late. 
Right, goes and, from Connecticut to Oregon on a week's notice in right. that car. They were in Texas at one point. I mean, he was theoretically all over the place well, in the mo- like the biggest jalopy ever, and that was never an issue. And also, I, I hate to tear it apart because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. They make it so obvious that the next tournament, by the way, after that first one where ticket sales are through the roof, is they've already sold out in Dallas. Then when they cut to the next tournament, they blatantly tell you they're in Cleveland. Yeah. Why would you go above and beyond to just screw that up? Yeah, you I don't know. The point of saying it's in Dallas, how do you show up the next tournament when it's Cleveland? <laughs> I, I just, they don't pay attention. <laughs> they just don't. They, I think, and I think, I think some of those are just honest mistakes, whether it's like in editing or script writing. But I, sometimes I just think they go, you know what? Most people aren't going to notice. And they just plow along and plow through because they assume most people are not us paying this close attention oh. to details like that. Now, the other part of Wednesday's show was your stun doing news involved the alcohol consumption at work per state, if you will. And I, I thought about this a lot because obviously we are working mornings every day, and I brought up the A and I do on the Sundays, but it really makes no sense even from us working at home to be part of this drinking from home. But in reality, do you find yourself during quarantine drinking more than you normally would? Um, I, I don't know that I've had... Um more drinks total, but I have had a drink on more days, if yes. that makes sense, because what I haven't done is, like, gone to, gone out to dinner, gone to somebody's backyard, gone to a party where you might have had, like, three or four or five drinks, but, like, I have more nightly, like, cocktails, or the days recently where it's been warm and we've been outside doing stuff, that's just, like, perfect beer weather. So I, if I had to, like, if I was, like, keeping track of ounces... I probably am not drinking the same amount that way, but I'm having – there are more days on the calendar checked off with a drink than normal. Okay, so I'm glad you said I am the same way. It's been, actually, the last two nights in a row I have not had so much as one drink, but there was a good two, three-week stretch there when I know I had a drink every single day where if I'm home or if I'm in a regular work routine, it's basically two of the three weekend days I will pick to have alcohol. Only one will I really get – get them going but I, I might have only gotten really really you know sloppy at home one of the days in this quarantine but i've drank almost all the days in fact bogus i don't know if this has become a trend in your neighborhood uh this isn't you know you and i live in the suburbs of long island so it's a little different if you live in a city where they're really trying to keep people inside in the streets but you're allowed in the suburbs because there's more space you're not you're not on top of each other to go for your walks go for your runs the new happy hour on fridays that we've noticed for the last month now and it's, it's building more and more steam is you go out and take a walk, whether whether it's with your dog, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with both, and you're just open container, lighting beers up in that 4, 5, 6 o'clock Eastern hour on Friday afternoons in our, t- our neighborhood. You're walking and everybody's well apart and people are just coolers under carriages or whatever and just drinking in the streets. Yeah, see, it's funny. My neighborhood has been relatively tame. My wife and I were just on this yesterday. Um, it's been pretty quiet, but we both, like... When we, I've been riding my bike a bunch recently. She's been running. We go to the next town, which is a little more fancy, a little more affluent. Uh, it's Garden City on Long Island, and it's hopping. Like there are people out now. No one, no one is necessarily like breaking any rules. They're not having parties and congregating. Right. There's just more people, ten to fifteen people apart than you would normally see. So I'm kind of disappointed in my neighborhood that we have not picked up the slack just yet yeah. in terms of getting out there and having some fun. But it crossed my mind to have like a pseudo block party where no one was actually interacting, but right. all sitting like in your front stoop. 
kind of hanging out just to seem like something regular is happening. That's definitely been going on in our neighborhood, definitely. But it, it's it's truly, I mean, people just, you know, doing cheerses to each other as you're just, you're walking, you're taking a walk through your neighborhood, <laughs> and everybody's just getting pounded as they walk. Like, that's the new happy hour. And I kind of look forward to it now. Like, that is my Friday. Like, I can't wait. Uh, you know, I'm basically going to take a six-pack of, of Kona Big Wave and just, you know, walk for three miles while drinking. I know. And, 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 it's not, and it's not a cop in sight, by the way, right now. Right. They have far more important stuff to care about open container because yeah. you're just in a neighborhood anyway. They know you're not driving or anything. No. I mean, and it's, it's happened around here. I mean, Halloween is a huge walking around drinking adult day in my neighborhood. Right. I was shy. Like, I was, I'm carrying a cart full of mixed drinks and beer last year. Um, so we, we have it in our blood. No one seems to have really organized it, though. Yeah, maybe I need to get on that. Yeah, that is that is the one thing I've looked forward to. But no drinking on the job yet. Who knows? This is quarantine. I mean, I continues. could have a mimosa if you wanted to twist my arm during yeah. the morning show. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right, Bogish. Well, thank you so much. It was good to catch up with you here on Side B. You and I breaking it down. Hopefully, we have more Pete stories to come. Maybe as the weeks continue, <laughs> and uh, and we'll keep going from there. You can follow Andrew Bogish on Twitter at. At Andrew Bogish. And you, with a C, which is weird. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MirazCBS. Have a great week, everyone. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.